Welcome to episode 54 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we sat down with Jacob Thornton, better known as AtFat on Twitter and GitHub and everywhere else. He's partially responsible for Bootstrap. He's like half a Bootstrap, something like that. Give or take half. Give or take half. He was also over at Medium doing some JavaScript and CSS things, which is pretty cool. And before that, he was at Twitter. We hope you enjoy the show. We uh, we joke around, we tell some stories, but we also get into the history of CSS and get pretty technical. So this episode definitely spans a range of topics. We hope you enjoy the show. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM, or you can chat about it with us live in a Slack team. To join that Slack team and catch up with us and other designers and developers, just direct message Spec FM on Twitter, and we will add you promptly. Beyond just chatting, we're doing a weekly critique in there. It's really awesome. It's called Inspect, and it's powered by Wake. It's 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 all built around helping others get better, especially like single-person design teams, younger designers, people who haven't learned critique skills yet. You get to learn from the community and some of your favorite designers. They're just pretty chill. DM at SpecFM on Twitter to get in. Before we get into our episode, just want to thank our sponsors. Once again, Dropbox, thank you so much for sponsoring. Dropbox is a file syncing service that stores all your projects in the cloud all your files, all your music, all your photos, all everything. They have all sorts of products, including Carousel, Mailbox, some really awesome stuff. They've got tools for syncing all of your files with people working in them with Microsoft Office. So you can actually like work with together with people kind of Google Apps style, but better. They're also supporting tools for designers like having Photoshop files in there that you can comment on inline, uh, have discussions around them so that non-designers within your organization or team can have a say in the process uh, without having to download tricky software or, or deal with file exchanges. You can also request files. You can share files instantly by just sending a link, having a built-in preview so you don't actually have to download the entire thing before seeing it. And the cool thing is that your files are still your own. You still own your data. Dropbox doesn't take ownership of it. Uh, it really is the best way to sync and store all the files on your computer so that if if something happens to one of your devices, you haven't lost everything. It also helps coordinate across devices. So for example, with, with the show, uh, we share a folder on Dropbox between Brian, myself, and Sarah, our producer. And as we record, as soon as we're done, before I even get home on my motorcycle, Sarah already has the file. She can already be working on it. Brian can see the length of a file. He can go in and do show notes. He can do whatever. We can all be working on something without having to coordinate files and email back and forth and store it elsewhere. We don't have to pass around thumb drives, whatever. It's it's all done through Dropbox. We love it. You'll love it. Uh, go check them out. They're at dropbox.com. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Our second sponsor, once again, Icon Finder. Icon Finder is the largest source of vector icons on the web. They minutes ago crossed 600,000 icons in their library, coming from over 10,000 icon sets. It's just this massive resource to find the perfect icons for your design project. We have friends who work on these projects. It's real people building these icons. And Icon Finder gives back 70% of the revenue to the people who make the icons. They're passing a lot of it back to the community. They're supporting the community through shows like this, supporting creators directly. So go to iconfinder.com. They have a service called Icon Finder Pro. It starts at just nine bucks a month and it gives you access to 25 downloads a month. Those downloads are licensed for commercial projects, so you can use them in freelance work or, or any kind of project you're working on. The icons are going to work in any software you're using, whether it's Sketch or Photoshop. It comes in all file types. You can add your design team to your account. 
And that's again, just nine bucks a month. But if you use the promo code robot, when you check out, that'll tell them that we sent you and get you 50% off your first month. So once again, go to iconfinder.com and use the promo code robot. Thanks so much to Icon Finder for sponsoring this episode. And with that, let's get into episode 54, season two, episode one with Jacob Thornton. My name's Jacob. Perfect intro. Thanks. Nailed it. Next. Next scene. <laughs> I was actually, I'm going to say this one thing. It's my, I'm like a tangent kind of weird person. I was watching this uh, really shitty movie with starring Snoop Dogg. I think it's like the one where he's supposed to be in high school, but he's like 40 something. <laughs> and that, that's a thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like starring him and Wiz Khalifa. And it's about like smoking weed in high school. <laughs> it's like the worst show. Anyways. After the movie is over, they show the outtakes or like the bloopers or whatever. And all the time, they like Snoop Dogg would shoot a scene and the director would be like, oh, Snoop, like good job. But, you know, could you do that again with a little more enthusiasm or something? And Snoop Dogg would be like, no, that was it. (laughs) Next scene. And the director was like, I, it's like the worst movie ever. I guess I can't say no to Snoop. I mean, he's just like, nah, man, next scene. Fuck. Snoop Dogg's the coolest person I've ever met in my life. When'd you meet him? Uh, He came to Twitter. I, I recall this story. Yeah, it's that was is the best day of my life. Actually, it's so dope. Wait, I, I heard he caused a whole like fiasco. Yeah, I want to hear about it. Okay, this is what happened. There's actually videos of it on YouTube, so you can confirm. You can see like young version of me just standing there in like shock. Um, but Do you look exactly the same. No, I was skinnier. Can if you can believe it? I'm already. No, I don't skinny. believe you. Yeah, it's messed up. I was like real skinny. You can hear the skinniness in this audio. Just real Everyone out there can confirm yeah. the skinniness. Yeah, it's messed up. But um, and I had like floppier hair, mm. and I didn't wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, it was like a, I was homesick, I think, or something. I was like kind of getting under a cold. I didn't want to like you know get people sick, so I stayed home like I should. Um, and every once in a while, this was at the time before Lady Gaga came and like fucked it up for everyone. But at Twitter, we had like guests would come by like kanye came by with like a bunch of well-dressed like children it was really weird and then like a bunch of other like bizarre guests were like coming through twitter and this was like my second like big kind of like startupy thing so i was like wow startups are crazy like twitter is the like chillest place ever and i was freaking out all the time and i like hip-hop music like i listen to that basically predominantly and so we get this email from like uh facilities or something and they're like hey i uh, just want to let you know snoop dogg's coming by uh with some people um you know warren g a few other people and i'm like reading this email and i'm like sick but i like start sweating i'm like just so <laughs> excited i'm like oh my god and then he's like oh snoop dogg and like warren g and like all these people are going to be here in the next like hour or so um they they're going to play snoop dogg's new album it's not out yet um if you're around you can join us in the comments and i like shut i remember like i was in the tenderloin at the time and they were on fourth and Folsom. i like shut my computer and like ran like i like it was kind of before (laughs) like willy wonka and the yeah it was like before uber was popping off so i was just like sprinting through tenderloin (laughs) (laughs) that's where i live because i just keep it humble and i was just like running through (laughs) the tenderloin i remember thinking like I might actually die because I'm like sick as shit and I'm like sprinting through like just the actual ghetto. And then I get to Twitter and everyone's like, my fr- my friend Ian, who's actually visiting this week, he's like, oh yeah, like, he's like, everyone's upstairs, come upstairs, come upstairs. I'm like, All right. So I come up, I like take the elevator upstairs and everyone's kind of standing around in a semicircle. And there's, I think 
there was probably only like 50 of us that were there, like between 50, maybe 70 ish. So not a lot, like a small number of people. And I remember being like, this is the best moment. This is going to be so good. And so Snoop Dogg comes out with Warren G and like a couple of other people. And he looks so fresh. He has like, I remember it like it was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) You're about to cry. I know. I know. This is the moment. This (laughs) is the moment we cry finally. Yeah. Um, He's got this like blue like starter. I think it was like a starter jacket or something. And then he has this like crazy beanie on with like the long like stringy fuzzy. It was ridiculous. It was over the top. But the best part was he's like, hey, hey, everyone. Uh, You know, I'm like, I'm Snoop Dogg, whatever. And he sounds so like fucking cool. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can swear (laughs) on this podcast. You can. But I did. All right. He sounds like the coolest person in the world. Like every once in a while you meet someone. Richard Stallman was another person. Like you meet this person and you're like, wow, you're exactly how I want you to be. Like I pictured Snoop Dogg and he's like his chill level and his like the way he talks and like interacts with people. It's perfect. It's just, it's amazing. <laughs> so he's like talking a little bit to us and he's like, hey, you know, I want to like, he's like, thanks for like having me here. I want to play you guys some like music I've been working on, blah, blah, blah. And then he like starts his first song and he just like, ele- he like elevators down, right? He just like lowers de- like down between or behind this uh, podium type thing. So you can't see him. We're all just like standing around like, what is Snoop Dogg doing? And then you just start seeing puffs of smoke go up <laughs> in the middle of the Twitter off. It's just like, and then like right away, the, there was like three or four lawyers. They all run out of the room. Like immediately they're gone. The lawyers like flee and <laughs> as they should and everyone's like in shock because they don't know what's up and then snoop dog just comes up with this like face like it's it's okay guys <laughs> it's all gonna be and okay. everyone's just like oh my god and then he just proceeds to smoke like chain smoke probably like eight blunts with the rest of his homies and play this entire album and just like dance and hang out and it was wild it was the craziest shit i've ever seen in my life and i was like he, San Francisco exactly startups are real. Yeah, I was like, this is crazy. And then he like hung out. He signed my friend's bottle of Hennessy, and then he just like peaced out. <laughs> it was wild. Why did you friend him a bottle of Hennessy in the office? <laughs> because uh, you know, I this might be this at Facebook, but I feel like at Twitter there was like a pretty big drinking culture. There is it Medium, or there was. I feel like there is a lot of places, but yeah. Hennessy is not the thing that's on the list. Like <laughs> sometimes ever. you gotta keep it real, man. The <laughs> Hennessy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's diversity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You touched on something in there. I believe I've heard you tell this story before, but Richard Stallman, you want to clarify who he is and how you know him? Sure. Uh, Richard Stallman is, he started this thing called the free software movement. Um, he's this like hugely influential. It's, it's really even the free software like revolution. Like he's really quite like, beyond passionate to the like it's like pretty intense to talk to him about it kind of phase which is chill i don't know he wrote at like all kinds of things that run our computers today emacs ls ls is one uh, that was crazy he just basically wrote all these crazy unixy things i think the funniest story is the which i like i believe is true although i'm not sure if it's actually true which is he started the free software uh movement because he was like super pissed off at his printer have you heard this story Mm-mm, no so the story is uh, Richard Stallman's like this super brilliant, like beautiful mind computer scientist, right? And he's working at the MIT labs. And um, I imagine like Richard Stallman didn't become Richard Stallman overnight. Like he was like, just like everyone else, just like you and me, just hanging out, pretty regular guy. And slowly he was driven to become <laughs> what he is today, which is like 
this guy who's really intense. Um, but basically he would print, he would go to this printer. He tried to print something and the printer was never working. He's like, what the fuck? This printer's like not working. So, you know, he'd like be doing something. He's like, oh, I got to print this and he'd go and it wouldn't really work. And he kind of like hit on it and he'd be like, oh, this is you know, kind of annoying. And over time that kind of like snowballed until he like really was raging on this computer. <laughs> he's like, what? It's like, fuck this thing. Like I'm like one of the best computer scientists in the country, like in the nation. If I just could fix this computer, like if I had the code, if it wasn't all like closed source, I just fucking, I'd fix it. And then I wouldn't have to deal with this shit. But instead I have to like reprint like 10 times. Uh, so then he like lost his mind, uh, left MIT and started the free software, <laughs> free software movement because of this printer in the MIT lab that just like stressed him out. I don't know much about the free software movement. Is that, is that like, th- am I allowed to not know? Yeah. Know that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the free software movement is uh, everything was closed source, right? So um, even though Richard Solomon knew like he could fix the code if he had access to it, it was all like compiled and like crazy. So what he did basically was he quit MIT and started like rewriting the kernel and rewriting everything from scratch. And this is later going to be um, like built on by, uh, gosh, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. Doesn't matter. Torvald? Yes, nailed it. Linux and all this stuff is basically going to take all his work and turn it into a whole like open source thing. But basically his idea was like all everyone should be able to view the code on everything. Like if I buy a refrigerator and the refrigerator breaks, if I'm an electrician like gangster, I can just a gangster electrician. Yeah, yes, they <laughs> exist. <laughs> and I can just like get in there and like solder that thing up and like go ham on my refrigerator. Got to get that refrigerator source code. Yeah, right. And so uh, he's like, you know, everything, like if I buy a printer or like I buy whatever, I should have like all the source behind it. And so that started. Unfortunately, there was like a lot of other like politics that got like kind of woven into this. A lot of people started equating him with like Marxism and other kinds of things like that. Anyways, it was a whole thing. And over time, free software, uh, there's this guy, Eric Raymond. He essentially took free software ideas wrote this thing called the cathedral in the bazaar which is like this manifesto essentially about like how free software like can lead to like faster development and a bunch of other crazy stuff and from that with mozilla and a bunch of other people kind of coined the term open source which was just a rebranding of free software essentially and now today everyone's like oh open source but no one even knows that it's just like really free software rebranded for like corporations where do you fall in the the ideology Oh man, that is a good question. Uh, I actually gave this talk like two years ago. I've seen this talk. Yeah. Oh, you have? I have. Oh, what do you think of the talk? I thought it was pretty dope. I had followed you on Twitter for a while, mm. but all I got was like ironic non sequiturs most yeah. of the time. Yeah. I was like, this guy's hilarious, but I don't know anything about him. And I went to fat.triplex or buy fat. Yeah, buy fat. Uh, if you don't have the BY, you will be real sad. <laughs> You, yeah, you will get into some weird stuff that you're probably not ready for. And the only video there yeah. was this talk. Yeah, true. That was like the last talk I really planned to ever give, actually. You just did one, though. Recently. I did, but it was like two years later. And I didn't really plan on ever giving the talk again. I'll get into that if you're interested. But mm-hmm. there's like this engineering, open source, like go around and give talks type thing that people do. You've probably seen it around. It's kind of weird. Uh, it's cool because you can like share knowledge and stuff, but there's also people who go on these like 
talking circuits and just like speak everywhere and it's kind of weird to me because they're not working they're talking they're not you're not working you're saying the same thing a lot of times it's just like a weird it, it starts to feel like some people are just talking just to, like some people see that they're talking like i remember seeing hashtag thought leadership yeah like I, I was at some conference and Leah Vru was giving a talk about regular expressions. And that I was, was the most amazing pronunciation of her name ever. Leah Vru. Yeah, like whatever. <laughs> I don't know. She's chill, but. Leah Vru, she's awesome, yeah. Yeah, but she was going to talk about regular expressions and it's just like, oh, this is a regular expression and these are the different things you can do with regular expressions. And I was like, yeah, they're regular expressions. Cool. Good talk. It just kind of seemed really basic and it seemed like people were talking just to like, hear themselves talk and not to really like share anything valuable with anyone. If the whole internet listens, we win, I guess. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so I got like really burnt out on conferences and like that whole thing. And people were like, oh, I, you guys probably get it too, I'm assuming, in the design community. It, not even to the extent though. I feel like engineering really love like throwing conferences, although there's a lot of design conferences now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, come to like some exotic location and give a talk for like you know a half hour and we'll pay for your flight and whatever and you're like okay that sounds pretty chill and then you do that and then you keep doing that and then you're like yo i have a job like and because you're doing this so much after a while you don't really have anything interesting to say because you've talked about all the things that you used to do at your job that you no longer can do because you've just been talking so much so then you start talking about regular expressions and people are like, oh, well, fascinating regular expression talk. And you're like, man, I guess so. Or you could read like MDN and learn everything in like five minutes. <laughs> That's like my extremely cynical view of conferences. But every once in a while, someone has like a banger presentation that you're like, wow, that is so good. Like you just blew my mind. And so with that talk in Paris, my attempt was like, I just was like, realized i was like i do open source every day but i don't know what it is like why like who came up with open source what is this thing like why do we do it like we do it and everything like that so it goes through the history of that and then which was basically what i was just telling you except for expanded with a lot more characters um and drawings so yeah you see my like crappy drawings i do in photoshop i can love that style it's so much fun it just it's fun to look at yeah yeah i like every it. slide is like audience laugh audience laugh now it's an applause sign. <laughs> <laughs> that conference was crazy too. You can't really tell from the video, but the screen was like um, massive. It was it was like IMAX. So I, I kept turning around and seeing like my shitty little like weird. If you see, if you end up watching these drawings, they're like little weird drippy line drawings that look like someone did them in paint. Do you do all your presentations in Photoshop? Uh, but yeah, now yeah. I my favorite presentation style I haven't done at a conference. Um. But I used to do them at Medium. Post-its make these like uh, massive post-its. I don't know if you've seen those. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like butcher paper and you can like mm-hmm. rip them off. So my favorite presentation style is just like using a big fat marker and like drawing on those. And then as I present, just like ripping them off because it like destroys them as you're doing it. It's kind of funny and it makes a cool sound. <laughs> and I like hate technology. I haven't done it at a conference yet though. I think it would stress It'd be harder at a conference. Yeah, because it's like a pretty big fuck you to like visibility <laughs> and, and like getting people involved. This it's is like not ally approved. Yeah, it's like this is the first two rows. Get it really? Enjoyed. You should give a talk on usability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be good. Well, so you were back in Paris. Yeah, what, yeah. What was like the thesis of your presentation? Or, like 
I guess oh, we want people to yeah. watch the show, so the link he will be kind of went through the history of open source. I went through, yeah. The first half is about the history of open source, and the second half is about like. I really think the best explanation is this thing that uh, my buddy Dave and I came up with called Who's Dave? Uh, Dave Gamash. Okay. Do you know him? Yeah, I do. Uh, so this idea was called cute puppy syndrome. Shout out Taco. Which is your dog. Taco is Brian's dog. Yeah. So cute puppy syndrome is like, oh man, I'm going to go. Like everyone's experienced this. They like, see a puppy. And you're like, this puppy is so cute. Oh my God. I'm going to adopt this thing. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to take so much care of it. And it's going to be awesome. You adopt this puppy and you're like, oh, it's so cute. But then after a while, it gets a little older. It turns into like a huge dog or like, you know, a little bigger dog. And then you're like, you're not as cute anymore. You're still chill. Like we have this like relationship. Like I've known you for years. Like I feed you, you know, when you're like starving and it's chill. But you're deaf. I'm not like playing with you from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. And I'm not like dreaming about you, which is what happens when you have a puppy. Yeah, mm-hmm. gosh. Anyways. Do you have a dog? No, I wish. I have a doggy door, which stresses me out. It's like f- worse than having a dog is having just a doggy door because every day you're like, fuck, I need a dog to like run through that shit. Um, anyways, cute puppy syndrome. So you're like stoked. You're going to adopt this puppy. It's going to be great. This happened to my um, my father, actually. My mother was like, Merry Christmas. I got you like a puppy. And my father was like, great. That's cool. And it was supposed to be a lab, which is like a chill like dog. Mm-hmm. My dad likes to go hiking. And they're like, oh, I'll go hiking with this dog. It'll be chill. But the dog had like Chesapeake or something in it or an Irish something. And it became this massive, like three times bigger than a lab, <laughs> like this oh, monster of a dog. And my dad, the whole time was just like, wow, this dog is getting big for a puppy. And then it was like, this dog is huge. And then my my dad was just like, thanks. Thanks, mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a little thing he gets to say now. It's just like, great. Now I have this fucking massive dog I have to take care of. So this is code bloat as a metaphor? Well, no, this is, (laughs) well, that can also happen. But this is more uh, a metaphor to like what it's like open sourcing something. So you have a project. It's like pretty fun. It's just for you, really. And that's kind of like the puppy phase. You're like, oh, this is cute. And you're like really into it and you do a lot of work on it. But like after a year, it's kind of like become more mature. It's not as like cute and new and novel. And so you kind of like, you're more familiar with it. And it it's like whatever. It's more, it feels more like a chore and less like, oh my God, I can't wait to work on this thing. I'm so excited to work on this thing. And then also the, I, it sometimes it, it's like, oh, we're going to open source a style guide. And then you're like, fuck, it's bootstrap. It's like the biggest project ever. And like now- everyone's stressed out about it and you're like whoa what this is just like a simple little thing guys <laughs> so <Settle> down <laughs> this is a, a good spot to uh go back to the intro and <laughs> who you are <laughs> oh yeah uh, <laughs> what if it's just this whole pot it's like an hour introduction that was yeah. great. no uh my name's jacob thornton uh i go by fat on the internet uh, my username is fat on twitter and on github i don't have an instagram because some guy squatting on my username and i was like fuck that service i don't have time for you it's not true though i'm like really <laughs> sad uh because i want to follow chief keith on instagram <laughs> uh, what else is interesting about me i don't know i have an irc that i like don't use ever okay. a name registered and that's cool shout out me <laughs> you uh you make this thing i make this thing called bootstrap uh, with my good friend mark Otto and a couple of other uh really cool people they're all way smarter and more talented than myself. Um, I heard you just did the ES6 stuff for it. Yeah, Bootstrap 4 is going to be chill. ES6. It's crazy, actually. Yeah, it's all this babble. 
It looks like really good. Every time we write a new version of Bootstrap, I like uh, like obsess over writing these same like 10 plugins and just the best way I think I could possibly write them if I was like, fuck the world, I have to... Well, for one, it's hard because you have to write a jQuery plugin and you're like, well, you know, jQuery, all right. But everyone uses jQuery, so you're like, okay, I'll write a jQuery plugin. But Wait, do people still use jQuery? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Man, I haven't touched jQuery in so long. It's pretty wild. But I'm like pretty stoked on the new ES6 bootstrap. I feel really good. It's like really pretty code. It looks like a machine wrote it. Like someone who's not a person. But it still has some like flavor, but it's just really perfectly like gone over and over and over over again on that's awesome um to circle back around you were stressed about bootstrap and now you're not or are you still stressed it does stress me out all the time because for a lot of weird reasons that you wouldn't think of i mean in the the same way that you're stressed out about like making sure your dog gets walked because you got like you've had to spend a lot of time with taco like taco is a chiller (laughs) you know he's there for you you want to be there for taco uh in the same way i've like spent a lot of time with bootstrap i worked on it really hard and uh i also like in the same way mark skygrado i'm i don't think he said it on his on your guys show but it's like help awesome people do awesome shit and that like vibes with me a lot like i'm really into that and I like am always super down to help people if they're like struggling with stuff. And I like love to see people build really cool things. And so it stresses me out because there'll be times where I just feel really burnt out because I'm, I'd be working a full-time job and then I'd come home and it's like, Oh man, I just worked for like eight hours on some hard stuff. And then like all these, like, you know, there's like thousands, literally thousands of issues on bootstrap about like, you know, tooltip positioning. If you put it inside a modal inside and, a position fixed element which is collapsing and i'm like fuck you don't do that and like so you get like heated but then you like want to help them and you like go through all these emotions uh and then ultimately you get stressed out you're trying to write good code to support bad code yeah sometimes you have it's like a that's like a delicate dance you know you you want you can't go too far um i think that's actually why bootstrap 3's documentation right now has suffered a lot from that because we have like for every plugin we have like 10 <laughs> like call out alerts that are like by the way don't do this thing which is really bad and we didn't think you'd ever like figure out that you anyone would ever, like why would don't do this but you're doing it so don't do this we have a lot of those so like over time the documentation's kind of gotten unwieldy uh but i think we're going to reel it in a little bit before hopefully what what was the discussion like at the beginning to open source it or not or was there even that discussion for bootstrap mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah definitely um there's really two histories of Bootstrap, I feel like. There's Mark's history and my history. And it's not that our histories are different uh, so much as that we have like both different like significant events, I think, um, that like we're like working on independently that kind of became this one thing. But uh, so this is like my history, I guess, or like these are the events that I remember the most. So I was working on internal tools. I had like I was like pretty sure I didn't want to work in technology anymore. If you if you can't figure that out already, I we're, like we're gonna get to that. Yeah, that's like a theme like I constantly struggle with, is I get like burned out on computers. Um, and so I had gone back to grad school, and I dropped out of grad school because I was like, oh man, grad school. And then uh, Twitter tricked me somehow into working on these internal tools where essentially all I had to do was um, like 
draw weird stuff and make these like weird apps like so if you can imagine just me drawing weird things and building like websites that had to work in chrome only that were like of my weird drawings that's like basically what it was it was like that and playing smash brothers on nintendo 64 like as a full-time job and like hanging out with snoop dogg that was like my twitter my first half of my twitter career so while that was going on uh i was working a lot with other engineers that were more like engineering engineers and less designy engineers i consider myself like a designing engineer and i had been trying to come up with uh, a way to make it so we could build these apps faster basically like um if we need to build something for it it was like oh man like they just need like a simple form with some like you know light action like interactivity blah 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 i don't think this is actually public anywhere although i've said it publicly a few times because it's like kind of not legit but i was working on uh this toolkit that internally i was calling tit for like twitter internal toolkit <laughs> uh, which was like a jo- like a collection of javascript plugins which were all written in moo tools which is can just like that's how old that shit was mm-hmm. as moo tools was still like hanging on um shout out moo tools and so we were working on tit and Mark was on, I think he was on like uh, this, not sales, but like uh, money team revenue. Um, and they were doing like an ads project and they were kind of going through a similar sort of projects. And he was going at it more from a design style guidey type thing. I think he had done a similar thing when he was at Zurb. And so he had kind of put together like a one pager that was long and scrolling that was like, yo, this is how you like, these are the colors that are chill to use. These mm-hmm. are the colors that are not chill to use, um, et cetera and had like a lot of good like design philosophy stuff behind it and i think i can't remember exactly why but somehow i saw it somewhere and i was like oh that's tight let's like codify this more and like i'm gonna take this build on top of it add like these like plugins and kind of like merge our two things together and start to like build out the css framework for it and we were just using it internally on like basically all our toolkits and stuff and then it got really popular we had these like hackathon things um and people started using them and then we talked about open sourcing it a little bit after that um mike abbott was i think the vp of engineering he was like really into it it took us like six months to open source it by the way like from like code complete to like legal trademark dance yeah like after that it took like a day to open source something but we were like the first big front-endy like apache licensed it was apache instead of mit which was a whole nother story but so who made the decision to open source it was it mike abbott or was it you guys uh we wanted to and mike abbott we he encouraged us like the decision was really it, it was kind of like hey i think this would be really cool i was also really involved in the open source community by then already um so i was like pushing pretty heavily for it um but a few times we almost didn't do it i remember mark a few times like in the beginning us trying to get like different names i think mark was getting a little burnt out on it and it was like man it's not even worth it i was like people like this is gonna have like a thousand star or like <laughs> watchers so what i remember thinking i was like we're gonna be huge we're gonna have like a thousand watchers dude mm-hmm. uh which is like the worst motivation for doing anything um in hindsight but watchers on github yeah that's so sad yeah but hey, but hey it worked out I mean, I guess it's like a weird thing. It's just like I was young man with young man ambitions, <laughs> uh, but now I'm like old man with like no ambitions. Going to sleep, dreaming of watchers. Now you go to sleep. Yeah, dreaming of the dog you don't have. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. My doggy, my vacant doggy door. Um, yeah, something like that. But yeah, I think that's like the boot. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, there's a lot of other crazy stuff going in there. And but like, if you think about Bootstrap when we first open source it, it was very much like an internal tool project mm-hmm. in my mind. Like it only supported modern browsers, like not IE at all. Um, it had no JavaScript. It was just a CSS framework. It was like super simple. Um, and yeah, I think it like very much was like just born out of utility. And we're like, oh hey, like people are like struggling to build pretty apps. Like maybe this will like help them. And the only thing that was kind of available at the time was this thing called Blueprint, which is actually what we called Bootstrap internally was Twitter Blueprint, um, which was like this Ruby CSS framework type thing. Um, and I was like, wow, this is like way better than that. It was originally CSS. Yeah. You have very strong opinions on CSS. Yeah. You just did a talk on CSS. <laughs> I did. Came out of my talk retirement and did a talk. It's wild. Why did you come out of retirement for this? And then we'll get into it's like the CSS. Jordan wearing the 4-5. Yeah. What's wow. the reason? <laughs> I was going to go like Jay-Z coming out of retirement, but I'll take Jordan. Jay-Z never intended to stay retired. Yeah, same. Me either, though. Least, I'm Jay-Z, actually. At least surprised. you're modest about it, Jesus. Yeah, I know. Gosh. Yeah, uh, guys, I'm Jay-Z, not Jordan. Yeah, s- settle down. <laughs> I need a shoe line first. <laughs> gosh. Okay, so you came out of talk retirement. Yeah. What what was so important that that you had to do that? Uh, I came out of talk retirement to talk at Code Genius. Um, I don't know. I just had this like everyone was like, "Oh, you're going to like like associate with those people," and I was like, "I don't know." But they were all so cool and like really nice. So I'm into them. Shout out Genius, Rap Genius. So yeah, I. Hadn't given a talk for about two years. Um, I hadn't really like obsessed about anything in the same way I'd obsessed about open source for a while. And I kind of needed to like take a step away from conferences and stuff and kind of like feel the pain of something <laughs> to like really have something to talk about. And nothing in development is more painful than CSS. Uh, in particular, nothing is more painful in development than working with other C- uh, with other engineers on CSS. Also, um, it's fucking impossible. Actually, I Surprise. just wrapped a product a project with where I was doing that. Oh my god, yeah. the worst. Yeah, like you can kind of write saying CSS if you're the only one, and it's like your ivory tower, and you know where everything is, and you're like, oh yeah, that's that one bizarre shit. Don't worry about that. I know about that. Just mm-hmm. don't touch it. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. Like everyone thinks they have all these like, oh yeah, like object oriented CSS, like blah blah blah. And it's like, nah man, that shit's not gonna work. It's just impossible. And so CSS just in general is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Start over. Pick a different technology. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not that it's impossible. Uh it's just it's impossible to to do in a way that you can come back to ever and be like, oh, yo, that makes a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. Sometimes I write, I, like, for example, uh, we were talking about bootstrap themes. I don't think, I think it was before we started recording, but um, we started this new project on bootstrap. It's going to be like these themes thing. And I was, I was writing this like really simple Shopify app type thing. And so I was writing all the CSS from scratch. And I was like, the CSS is so simple. It's great. This is the best CSS I've written. That's what I say to myself every time I write CSS. <laughs> it was, I was like, ooh, we did it again. Best CSS I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And then, like 
weeks weeks later i'm like what like how do i where's that thing at mm-hmm. oh, i have no idea and then you get you get all these different browsers i know the browsers are like radically different i've been spoiled because like companies like twitter and medium like don't give a fuck about browsers i don't know where facebook's at um or where you guys are at but facebook gives a fuck about every browser yeah i just go auto prefix or last two and that's it respect that's kind of like what where we were at and we were just like you know charge it to the game if it doesn't work i was like it's it's so easy to get on the last two yeah if you can't do that yeah Hmm. but then like uh i spent there's this thing uh they're called it's like I wanted to add background to, uh, like, say, a paragraph, right? A background color. But I wanted the sides to be padding, and I wanted it to wrap, right? Surprise, it's impossible to do. Almost impossible. And so I spent, like, a week trying to get it to, it out. to work in, like, <laughs> I9. Yeah, with, like, 14 elements that are necessary. Like, uh, not really that bad, but, like, pretty intense. Yeah, CSS. So all this sort of bubbled up and became the talk in your mind cascade well shit show. what really happened was i th- i think i have this like mythos that i'm like a css person because i work on bootstrap and i i think i'm like pretty good at css but i don't even really do a lot of the css on bootstrap it's like 99 percent mark and like is like a little entourage it's i'm just like doing javascript mostly but when i was at medium i was by far the, like the strongest css person so they're like oh you're in charge of the css make sure our css is the best in the world that's what they like want all the for their shit so like oh like is, is this the best way to write a modal like the best in the world and you're like oh man i don't know it's a modal pops up yeah pops up hey shout out me if it pops up it's probably <laughs> yeah um so where were we i don't know i was writing css with people oh it's really hard i was like constantly stressing out about like how can I like make this group of people like elevate their skills? Like, cause that's really what the, like a lot of engineering leadership and other stuff ends up being. It's like elevating the work of people around you. And I feel like also just like creating a balanced team. Like not everyone was as strong at CSS as me. So I was like constantly, you can't just be like, I'm going to write all the CSS. That's what we tried at Twitter actually with Mark and Dave. They wrote all the CSS. Um, and then Dave was like, that's impossible. I, Dave got burned out. And then it was just Mark. Like Mark wrote all the CSS for Twitter.com. Uh, obviously not very, very scalable. Um, I think they're actually falling into that. It seems like maybe a similar thing, but now Nicholas is like rewriting everything. Um, Gallagher. Gallagher again, yeah. But we'll see. I'm sure they have other people, hopefully. But I understand also why they fall into that because it's like really hard to get people to write CSS together. So although Facebook is kind of doing some interesting shit there. Mm-hmm. Um so basically, I just tried a bunch of different things, like everything I could possibly do to try to like elevate people's CSS. And it, it's, it's kind of like one of those like, you know, like three steps forward, two steps back kind of thing over and over. So you're like getting progress kind of and you think you're getting a lot of progress and it's like a little progress and it just kind of like builds up over time. And then I wrote a, um, a medium post about it. Uh, I... Um, I'd actually written a chapter for a book called Beautiful JavaScript uh, like about two years ago. So I like I was blogging a lot on byfat.xxx and then I started working at Medium and then I was like, it's not really chill to keep you know, writing on Subtle because I work at Medium now and that's kind of taboo. I gave that last talk and then uh, Anton, um, value of on the internet, he's like a popular JavaScript guy was working on this book called beautiful javascript and i was like that sounds cool and it's basically about 
people's different like takes on what beautiful javascript is and i was like wow i like love that topic a lot like beautiful code um and i was like i have a lot to say about that and so for like a month or two i just like really hunkered down and wrote more than i probably ever written ever um and had editors like tearing my stuff apart and i came up with <laughs> this chapter which is called how to draw a bunny it's pretty in hindsight not the best chapter but at the time i thought it was really great um anyways so i'd written that and then i just could get super burnt out on writing so i was like done with talking and then done with writing and so i like never blogged again so after i did that basically until this css post which was basically done because we had these stupid sorry i shouldn't say that that's not very nice we had these things which i like failed to find value in at medium called okrs objective key results like set a goal and then achieve them i always kind of feel like that's silly anyway so i had some like goal that was like i don't know right css better than everyone else and then they were like okay like one step in like being better than everyone it was some like sardonic okr that i wrote that was just like i am the best i will never be surmounted at css and like part of me doing that was like telling everyone how what I was doing was way, way better than what they were doing. So I was like, I have to write a medium post, obviously. That's where people <laughs> tell people they're better than them. Um, <laughs> so oh jaded. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I wrote this post, uh, which was like, it was really more, I mean, it seems like I'm like really into myself, but really underneath it, it's like this deep hatred. So it's like this. Yourself or CSS? It's this huge self-effacing like hate of myself. But uh you want to talk about it yeah let's get into tears uh so if you work through the um the post it's really about how we just like failed to make good css over and over and over and over and over again and then the title is like our css is pretty fun good though Mm -hmm. uh anyway so that had me thinking a lot about it and it had me thinking like yo this stuff is just impossible to get uh good and Genius had asked if I'd come and give a talk and they're like, oh, it would just be like, you'd be the only one talking. It's not really like a conference conference. I was like, okay, that's like pretty interesting. And so I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, and I was like quitting. So I was like, fuck it, I got nothing to do. Like, oh, that sounds good. And then I, I was actually between giving a talk on uh, my beautiful JavaScript chapter, about how to draw a bunny, or if I should give a talk on the CSS stuff. But then I decided I was like, I got to figure out like what CSS is like this it's like such a basic i'm like really interested in like things that everyone takes as like just objective like truths in our like community i guess or just like like css is what we write is how you make things it's it's like bad but it's like we just deal with it i'm like really interested in like the history of things like that and so for for me that was like a perfect like kind of topic to talk about so um so i just fucking geeked out and like my girlfriend put up with it for like a month and a half of me just like slogging through everything on the internet ever written about css Hmm. including like multiple dissertations which i highly recommend you do not read are they available online uh yeah so uh hokum william lee who i say i remember his name because hulk hogan which is fucked up but (laughs) it sounds just like hokum william lee to me anyways he uh is a guy that basically invented css did a whole dissertation on like uh, kind of like CSS, what a cascading language is, the history of it. A lot of it's super fascinating. Um, also, the W3C has a lot of like good history. And then most of the stuff, though, that's like really interesting and, and the conversations are all on the mailing lists. Uh, but they're like 
I mean, if you've gone through like a mailing list, they're so painful to like slog through. It's like these weird, huge reply threads where people are like trolling each other and like it's really bizarre. I don't know. Um, I guess we'll link to the 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 talk <laughs> anyways, but I'm curious like what do you have ideas for how we can fix oh. some of these problems? Like, no, no, no. So um, <laughs> No, it's completely unconstructive. Yeah. No, so I'm a a literature major. That was what I studied. I didn't study computer scientists. Surprise. I'm not like good at computers. Um, one thing that I learned like really early on uh, was I, I took this critical theory class. Um, and I had this teacher who was like a massive asshole, but like kind of amazing. And I wrote this paper where I was like deconstructing something like um, some like Paris Hilton TV show or something like really ridiculous like a literature major would do. And I like deconstruct it. I say like all the problems with it. And then I say like, this is how you fix all these problems. Uh, and my teacher was like, F. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, F, that's pretty harsh. And he's like, your arguments are, I like buy all of your arguments for like why things are bad. But he's like, since I got to like how you're going to fix them, I was like, I was holes all over this. Like these are terrible fixes also. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you don't have to, you don't have to be the person that like solves every problem. There's just as much value pointing in, pointing out that there's a problem when no one else thinks there's a problem. So like, uh, for example, you don't have to be the person that like solves sexism in the workplace, but just pointing out that there's sexism in the workplace, there's a lot of value in that. And I think both with my open source talk and with my CSS talk, I took a a similar kind of route, which was like, there's a lot of problems in open source that no one's really talking about. And like people are experiencing burnout. Like almost all my friends that like feel this similar kind of feeling are like struggling with a lot of these things. And the same thing with CSS, like people are talking about like, you know, CSS is like bad and like kind of joke about it. Like, oh, I hate it. But they don't really go deeply into like, you know, what, like what, what is so bad? Like, why is this bad? Like, how did we get here? What, what's going on? Stuff like that. And I hope that basically with this and with the last one, essentially it's, I'm just asking the question in a much better way or like presenting the problem in a much more thorough way so that someone again way smarter than me can like figure out what's right and fix it got it that makes sense yeah absolutely cool cool. are you paying much attention to stuff like what facebook's doing with the act and css in javascript yeah for sure is that something that you're writing or exploring or do you think that's a possible solution i played with it a little bit um uh i talk about it in my presentation actually cool um but uh yeah i've actually my solution has been to try to just not write CSS. <laughs> just, I'm a designer now. I don't even, or like, I don't know. I'm like an HR person now. I don't have time for this code. I'm stuff. an HR person. <laughs> yeah. I'm just career path switch. I don't know. Okay. When we went out to lunch, the first time we met you, mm-hmm. Dustin Cena soaked it up. Yeah. Shout awesome out dude. Dustin. You said post CSS is the way of the future. Yeah. I believe those were your exact words. Like, well, I think it was more like fuck CSS or SCSS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Post CSS is way of future. Yeah. I think that's how it went. Probably. Sounds like something I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I respect, I mean, I think SAS or SCSS is in like a similar boat as like jQuery right now. So, like, Mark and I had this conversation a couple of times about like Bootstrap. Uh, like, in Bootstrap 4, it's going to be all SCSS. Um, and I think it makes sense in the same way that it makes sense that. It bootstraps on jQuery. Um, if it was just like 
we were doing it all for us and we were like really selfish and we weren't thinking about like a huge community of like people that were relying on it. Like it, it could be like, there would be a lot of different decisions. Right. But, uh, I think because there's like so much development going on there, it makes a lot of sense right now for, uh, it to be in SAS. Um, that said, I do, I'm pretty big fan of post CSS. I like to geek out on writing. Well, yeah, writing just things how uh, browser people are like expecting us to write them, really. So that's why I like it. And I also like, I mean, just write. It's really easy for me to like, like if I want to do something, I can just write a parser. Or, I mean, I don't have to write the parser. I can just like, write a quick plugin and just do whatever I want, really. Hmm. It's pretty chill. That None of that computes for me. <laughs> none of it computes? No. No, I'm an SCSS guy, and okay. I just, I don't understand what post CSS is about at all. Oh, do you want me to explain it to you? Now I do. Oh yeah, I was actually having oh. a chat on Twitter the other day with someone asking the exact same question. Like, what's the value of post CSS? Oh wow, what's so post about it? Sell, oh. it, sell it. First of all, everything if you put post in front of it, it's amazing. Postmodernism, post moves in basketball, amazing. <laughs> post up, <laughs> yeah. Post the post up, you know. Post-its. The dream hook. Okay. Uh, oh shit. Post its. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. We just brought it back. Full circle. Thank you for joining us today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, post CSS. Why is it the truth? Uh, we try to include a little bit of technical information in with our tangents. Word. That's what's up. I like that. So th- this is the technical portion. Yeah, I'm gonna get just. I'm gonna dive in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, post CSS. So post CSS is cool. It's basically like. Uh, have you heard of rework? Like the book. Uh, no, there. <laughs> wow. Oh God. I'm just like over here, just you're l- engineer nerd. You're learning this. a lot about. You're gonna drop now. some knowledge. Yeah. Okay. So here's a quick history that's completely unresearched and is completely from the perspective of me it's a completely biased history uh of preprocessors so you have like sass and less were the two major like players in the in the preprocessor world i'm completely positive there's probably a handful of people that were before this and this could also be probably another interesting history thing to like nerd out on sometime but um you have sass and you have less which were pretty popular SAS was definitely like majorly like Ruber, uh, Ruby, Ruber, uh, Ruby community driven. And uh, less was like JavaScript client. The entire parser was completely written in JavaScript and actually ran in the browser to begin with. And it was written by this guy, Cloudhead. Uh, this guy, Alexi, he's a good friend of mine. He's amazing. He's like one of the most amazing engineers. He dropped out of high school. I, I, anyways, could tangent there for a while, but good dude, amazing engineer, amazing person. He writes less. Someone else is writing SAS. Captain Catlin. That's who wrote SAS? Yeah. Cool. There you go. Shout out history. Did oh. Hamill. Did Jade. I think Jade. Maybe I'm wrong. That makes a lot of sense. So those are kind of going in, and they have two very different fundamental uh, philosophies. So uh, SAS is like about, I think my understanding of SAS is community, especially early on, was like, uh, and this obviously makes sense. Is like one to be super dry and hamily. SAS was originally before SCSS like really took off, and then also to like introduce um, tradi- more traditional computer science uh, scientist type like uh, imperative programming techniques. So like conditionals, loops, um, variables, things like that. Alexi, on the other hand, you have to understand that, and this is my understanding, so I'm speaking for him, but. 
uh, through my conversations with him, I think he was very much uh, more interested in writing like a purely declarative, almost as like, he's like, he's coming at it much more as like this weird art. He's like an artist and he's like thinking about it holistically and like within the family of CSS and like, what does this mean within the like ecosystem and like all this other crazy stuff? He wasn't just thinking like, how can I quickly like pump out a grid? Because the, the fastest way to do a grid is write a for loop, obviously. It's not to do recursive methods or like recursive mix-ins. Like that's crazy. No one would ever be like, oh yeah, that's by far like nested recursive like mix-ins is by far the simplest way to write a grid system. No one said that ever. But Alexei was like, I want this to be declarative like CSS. Um, so rather than having conditionals, he has mix-ins with guards. So you have guarded mix-ins. So um, if you're not familiar with less, what that is is essentially... Uh, it's, it looks like a bit like a function. Um, and then after the function, you have the condition which must be met in order for that function to execute. So you might have multiple functions listed in a row, like uh, taco, taco, taco. And then you have uh, the guards would be like taco, like leash red, taco, like leash blue, or just like regular default taco. And then depending on taco's leash hey, color. Taco. There he is. <laughs> yeah, shout out taco. <laughs> depending on taco's leash color, uh, different mixins would be called rather than in SAS where you would just be like, if tacos leash color, then do this else. If then do this. So that's like philosophically, they're pretty different. However, Alexi had going for him that he was like a brilliant engineer, two things really one, he was a brilliant engineer. So the execution and compile time and everything was like, like really geeked out on and was like 10 times faster than SAS was. And because of that, and because he had written everything in JavaScript, you could actually execute it in the browser. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and this was actually before Node was like really popping off, which just kind of came into the picture afterwards and just happened to be like, oh, hey, by the way, this is all written in JavaScript and executes in Node. Like, fine. Everyone was like, oh, <laughs> uh, and freaked out about it. So, and this is actually a quick uh, side note. This was why Mark originally wanted to write Bootstrap in less was because uh, he could just drop it into the browser and he didn't have to like set up his Ruby environment or anything. And so as a designer, it was really easy to get started. I just independently randomly had a relationship with Alexi and I was like a good friend with of his and knew that if at any point uh, like I got stuck on something or there wasn't a feature or something like that, I could be like, dude, we really need this. And be like, okay. And so that's why Bootstrap has been really lessy forever. And it isn't until really this version that we're switching over to SaaS, uh, which came after a number of changes that had to happen, um, which I, I'll get into in a second. So now you have like less in SaaS going on. Then you have this new guy enter, uh, TJ Holloway Chuck. And so Node starts becoming more of a thing. And everyone's like, oh, Les is like in Node. That's awesome. And TJ Holloway Chuck's coming from the Ruby community. Um, he would come from the Ruby community, go into the Node community, and just basically, uh, he just started recreating everything that was in Ruby and Node. So he, like, he created Express, he created like, he, Jade, he did all. Hand, like all these different things he just recreated everything that he liked in ruby he recreated it in the node environment um, and then everyone was like wow tj holloway chuck is like this legend he's amazing uh, meanwhile alexi somehow decides that he hates he hates him so they like hate each other one because alexi's like over here trying to do this like unique stuff and he, that's just kind of like what he's into and tj's just like reinventing the wheel which interestingly enough i talked to tj about who's also i like like, like him a lot he's a really smart guy we were in uh, Argentina 
and someone asked us like what's the best way to like learn something as like like a young engineer or something and he said recreate the wheel it's like the best way by far um and so like just recreate existing projects because you like learn so much from doing that and you have like something to constantly compare yourself to to be as good or better than and if you get stuck you have something to help you um which i think is really interesting because he does it all the time uh like literally every project that he has is almost like a recreation of something um and because of that he's become like a disgusting engineer like ridiculously good uh, because he's built like uh, middleware servers and like parsers and all kinds of crazy different things because he's like oh i like that technology i'm going to recreate it in a different language uh he's coming from the ruby uh community and so he's like oh i like sas like everyone in ruby was using sas and he's like i don't like less so he's he starts writing uh like a parser for scss and javascript and that starts getting like gaining more popularity and becoming like a bigger thing also around this time like grunt starts to take off and you start seeing like everyone writing and wanting to write their dev tools in javascript and so there's like a big influx of people that are like oh should we use less or should we use sass um and a lot of people are landing on less because it, uh sass was in ruby still and so tj like wrote scss stuff in javascript and so now people are starting to use that and then a little bit later there uh this company guillermo Rausch starts who's the Socket.io guy. It's called Learn Boost. And then he hired like all these bosses. Um, and one of them was TJ. And while they were there, they started working on this new thing called Rework. And so now we're getting close to post-CSS, I promise. So they're working on this like learning software. And uh, basically, I think TJ, I don't know if TJ actually did product work or if he just like worked on infrastructure stuff all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But at any rate, he um, was working a lot on uh the sas stuff and he ended up spinning like having to write his own parser and having to do all this stuff in javascript and in doing that i think eventually he he decided to just open source those separately like uh how it basically works um sas or less if you're not familiar is like they have like two main phases you have like something that takes a big text document and converts it into a huge javascript object and then you have something that takes a huge JavaScript object and converts it back into like a text document. So you have like a parser and then the parser like compiles it back down. And so TJ wrote this thing called Rework and Rework started to gain a little um, popularity. But basically the idea was that it was a non-opinionated parser that you could build plugins into because really what he noticed was like, okay, I'm like, all I'm really doing and building the SAS thing is I'm parsing like a text file that I'm doing manipulations on the object and then I'm compiling it, right? And so there's this middle area just like there's an Express, uh, which is like his like really big project where you could like enter it in plugins and like you could manipulate different things and you could pass these through these same things. So he's like, oh, it's creating like an API in this middle area. And so that's essentially what he did. And people are like, that's like really fucking cool. And like right away, a lot of the like really big CSS nerds like Nicholas, um, who's like constantly looking for like crazy new CSS stuff, uh, jumps onto the project and they start doing like all these plugins to make it compatible with like spec CSS. So like actual CSS uh, variables instead of having like an, a dollar sign or an ampersand, they have like the crazy syntax that's like var parentheses with hyphens mm-hmm. and looks like shit. And a bunch of other things like that. Like um, there's also like a different syntax for uh, media queries um, that CSS is specced out of media query variables. Sorry. Um, and just a handful of other random ass things like that. Anyways, that's kind of going on for a while. And then TJ slowly kind of 
over the next year, I think loses more and more interest in not only just Node in general, I think. I think he ended up writing a post on Medium, which was like, Node is dead, I'm writing Go now, like blah, blah, blah. Um, meanwhile, he has a bunch of other people that are basically maintaining his projects for him. Uh, but Rework, it just, development kind of like stalled on it and people weren't really using it. Um, and right as that kind of started to stall out, I think it was this like Russian dude started working on post CSS. And I remember Nicholas being like, oh man, post CSS is so cool. You got to check it out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm being like, I was like, what? Like the documentation had all these typos and stuff. And I was like, what are you like talking about? But it's a, essentially, as far as I can tell, uh, it's exactly what rework is. The same idea of like parsing into this object, writing plugins, which manipulate the object and then outputting that object and so an api kind of in this middle area which like takes in objects manipulates them and spits them out but it's actually maintained so shout out that um and that's what post css is and in the same way that uh, like grunt or gulp or something is like really been able to kind of do a lot in a short amount of time by having this really cool plugin architecture post css is doing the same way right like you can have something like SAS or less and it's like three people writing like quote unquote plugins, like manipulating this middle area. Or you can like define an API and have like potentially hundreds of people coming up with these like different types of plugins. And because of that, the like the quality I think is much higher because the people are only worried about like their one little specific area, whether it's like I only worry about CSS variables and I'm like OCD about keeping this in line with the spec and this is like my baby and this is what I'm into or if it's the parser or whatever else. And because of that, you see like lots of variety, lots of really cool plugins and I don't know, the community seems pretty good and it's fast. Um and basically, everyone's using it now if they don't even know they're using it because everyone uses auto-prefixer, which is all built on post-CSS. So, but yeah. I have to ask. Yeah. What does fat CSS look like? What does my CSS look like? No, if you could rewrite CSS, oh. what would it look like? I'm sure you could. I'm just like, if you took the time, what, what would make you not hate it? That's a good question. Uh, actually... I mean, I think we fucked ourselves because CSS is, I gave a whole talk on it. It's a whole thing. It's a, like a really intense topic. Uh, I think that in my perfect world, like alternate reality, it exists in some form that's like one compiled so that uh, we don't have to worry about performance. And it's just like this crazy little thing that like browsers like do magic with. Uh, I also wish it was tied to like programs that tools that designers use to build pretty things like the disconnect between sketch or Photoshop or whatever you're using and a browser is like dumb. Hilariously, they both have plugins that output CSS. I think sketch does natively. Yeah. I've never Mm. used it, but But you know, it's not good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it can't be. I feel like that sucks. I'm sure they worked so hard to like try and make it good. Yeah, because that's what everyone does. But you can't. Otherwise, they wouldn't have built it, right? Yeah, you just can't. It's like because people draw bad shapes. Yeah, there's too much like performance and other stuff like into it. And yeah, like designers don't design pixel perfect. Really, you kind of, or at least designers that I work Whoa. with tend not to. Yeah. Whoa. You know, you do most. It's like an eighty percent. Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, that's off by pixel. Like that Blown personal fix it in spot. code. Yeah. <laughs> no, Dustin is an assassin, but. Everyone else. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, man. Do you hate typography after working at Medium? Oh, good question. Um, I do not ha- hate typography. 
I think that uh, typography is a tool like anything else that you can like, uh, you can do good things or like lame things with um, just like anything else. Like I think color typography, like all the basic design elements, like you can go ham on. Uh, yeah, you just kind of have to pick your battles. I don't hate typography is my short answer. I could get into that, but it's like not a very interesting. You need to be writing more in my opinion. <sighs> I would settle for just or podcasting more. It's in- yeah, I just <laughs> just listen to you more <laughs> or listen to you more. <laughs> it's hard though. It takes a lot of time. I'm I got other things to worry about. I'm at the point where like staying up till like 3 a.m. and like hacking on shit is a young man's game or a young woman's game. And like like I like my girlfriend and like our life and like doing fun shit, not just like going hard on code like constantly for a week and getting like just deep into that. I like I'll do that every once in a while. Like Mark and I'll like stay up late every once in a while and like hack on stuff and it's like fun. But I can't do it like every night like I could when I was like in my young like early twenties. Well, legend has it that your girlfriend is a pretty like phenomenal product person oh she is (laughs) legend she's uh she's yeah she's like a really smart uh i tricked her into dating me kind of girl yeah don't we all yeah but okay so does she not do that stay up late hack on things then uh so she will try and then i just like tempt her with like we jeopardy or something and then she falls victim <laughs> i don't know i just have these i don't know we jeopardy man how can you deny we jeopardy shit's too fun fuck it impossible to code when we Je- when alex trebek is like 3d like talking shit i just put him in his place <laughs> uh, uh yeah so shout out trebek <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a weekly listener yeah, shout out Trebek. What am I doing next with my life? <laughs> uh, word. Before you go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you're into? Anywhere people would like you? Anywhere you'd like people to go to find you? Uh, yeah. What's y- your address? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, that's scary. I someone so- deliver a puppy through his dog door. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's the what I don't need. I would be really stressed out because I'd be like, oh man, now I gotta take care of you. Um, but i love you but i love you so much yeah i'd be with weird conflict um yeah things i want to plug uh well we shouted out trebek just chill (laughs) Uh, that was really the big that was like yeah and my girlfriend yeah what am i stoked on right now i'm pretty excited about this bootstrap theme thing that isn't we haven't really talked about we don't really have to we're gonna have this bootstrap toolkit theme thing it's gonna fuck up everyone's world. It's gonna be wild. Uh, do you have an ETA? It's like done, basically. Can people find it online or is it no? <laughs> it's done. Uh, just uh, we're like not, really, not. really close. We're finishing up some legal stuff, some copyright things. Uh, we're trying really hard to launch Bootstrap, like four also within like these. Hope Bootstrap and this are like should be theoretically within like week to two week things. Maybe a week from now. Yeah, maybe. So when Which this episode, when this episode comes, comes out. out. Yeah, probably, potentially. Holy shit. What it's possible. We're trying like really hard. So August 19th is Bootstrap's four-year anniversary. So Mark's like, oh, Bootstrap four, that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's really soon. So we're like trying to do that. And then we're also 
the theme stuff is like done. It's just had a small setback for some like copyright issues on some images and stuff. Is there a URL or name of it that people could look up in case it's out when they listen? Uh, should people spam and just it will it be out? a subdomain under Git Bootstrap, and it will be linked from the main Bootstrap docs. Um, I'm not sure what the final URL is going to be yet. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be that's going to be crazy. Hopefully, maybe chill. Cool, man. Maybe we'll, horrible. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. I'm talking to us about literally everything. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool. That was 54. We can go chill and play Wii Jeopardy with Jacob now. We hope you enjoyed it and learned a lot. We certainly did. Uh, basically getting the entire scoop on CSS. I had never heard the entire history before. I hadn't either. The history according to Jacob is even better, I'm sure. So we're all a little bit smarter now. If you enjoyed the show, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Or if you want to chat about it in our Slack team, just DM Spec FM on Twitter. Uh, we'll get you added right away. And before we go, thanks so much again to our sponsors. First sponsor, once again, Dropbox. Dropbox is supporting the community in a big way, not only by supporting shows like this and sponsoring us, but by doing events, by building an awesome product that makes it easier for us to do our work. Like I use it as Sidewire. I use it for all the stuff we design at Spec. I use it for all the shows we do at Spec. It covers our asses across the board. It's fantastic. It's a great product and check them out at dropbox.com. They've been awesome for supporting us and we hope that you will support them. And our second sponsor is Icon Finder. They are the largest collection of premium icons in the world. And they have a service called Icon Finder Pro. It's just nine bucks a month. It gives you access to 25 icon downloads every single month. Those icons are licensed for commercial use and 70% of that revenue is paid back to the original creators. Uh, It really is an amazing service that's not only supporting icon designers, but supporting shows like this. We really appreciate their support. So you can show yours by going to iconfinder.com. Use the promo code ROBOT when you're signing up for Icon Finder Pro. That'll tell them that we sent you and get you 50% off your first month. Thanks so much once again to Icon Finder. We'll see you on Wednesday with Ryan Sims and Wilson Miner.